0: For nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor Program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with Your Financial Editor, Chris
1: Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor Program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD, WFMD.com and as a podcast on iTunes. I am Chris Murray, your host. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, appreciate it as always. You know, I forgot uh, to say it last week, but uh, 23 years now for the Your Financial Editor program. November 11th, 1997. So um, time flies. I mean, it really does. It's amazing. And thanks so much for everybody that uh, that's listened through the years. And um, so fortunate to have so many good guests to talk to. Uh, really enjoy that and um and i think that uh uh today you're really going to enjoy my guest actually uh coming up in just a little bit he's an expert on the operation warp speed uh program and the phenomenal accomplishments and there's unless you're you know well educated on this um there are some things that have been happening and are happening and will happen That boggles the mind as far as uh, the the warp speed, literally, that we've seen from um, this response to the virus from once we really knew about it and the impact. And um, just what the administration, uh, private businesses, government uh, agencies, everybody working together, this paramount project uh, and, and again, what's been done. In such a short period of time, it'll go down, no doubt in my mind, uh, in the history books as one of the uh, um, biggest accompli- accomplishments of the United States of America. Uh, and like I said, all the other uh, folks and businesses that are associated with it. So we're going to be talking about that in detail. And it's good timing because there's so much misinformation out there and so much fear mongering um, and, uh, and and these false narratives so we'll um we'll, we'll get you straight on that in just a little bit. First let's get to uh, some top stories of this past week. And again, I'll um come around to uh the virus and 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 some of our response. You know, we spoke last week about Pfizer and BioNTech making that great announcement on the success of uh the vaccine. This week, more good news. The CEO of Moderna, said his company's uh, virus vaccine has demonstrated a, quote, game changer, unquote, safety record in ongoing studies, along with 94.5 percent effectiveness in preventing the virus. So he said that uh, people who did get the vaccine did not get any severe disease, which is, of course, a game changer. He said that they're very excited to announce that the vaccine at this first interim analysis of phase three, the real test, has shown that 94.5% efficacy. So if it receives emergency use authorization from the FDA, which they're going for, um, Moderna will work with the FDA and the CDC uh, to get vaccines to high-risk individuals first. Makes total sense, doesn't it? I mean, all the folks that are older, have underlying illnesses or diseases, the frontline workers that need to stay safe and healthy. Um, 20 million doses would be available, uh, by the end of the year. He said, you can give a prime dose, um, the first dose to 20 million people by the time they need their boost in January, they'll have more vaccine made. So, um, He described the vaccine as user friendly because it can get it can last six months in just a regular freezer and seven days in a refrigerator. So the one thing that um, that, you know, the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine found was to be also more than 90 percent effective in their phase three clinical trials. But they have to store that at like minus 70 degrees um, so obviously the 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 warehousing of that is going to be more difficult than just a normal freezer and or refrigerator, but it's just great to know that now we've got uh, excellent news from both of those. Something else that happened this week that's just really been a drag on the economy even before the virus made its way here. It actually started back in March of 2019 um, after two... Horrific crashes that took 346 souls. Uh, you know, Boeing, they had to ground their 737 MAX jet. And what's been going on is they've been fixing things, testing, retesting. And this week, the Federal Aviation Administration had an official order to release the MAX. So that's a really a big deal because not only... Was Boeing dealing with this, one of the largest manufacturers, not only in, in America but in the world, dealing with this, but then they had the, uh, the virus on top of it, and we know that that's uh, decimated the uh, airline industry. So it was good to know that they can, you know get back to work here and that the pilots feel comfortable, they'll be able to reassure passengers. There's additional um, pending completion of certain mandatory fixes and additional pilot training requirements, but again, they're they're right at the uh, at the edge of, of making this all happen. The problem is going to be, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, a lot of airline uh, airlines they just they're either postponing the purchase or they're saying I don't even think we want it now. So we're going to have to wait and see how this all plays out for the airlines and of course it's uh it's repercussions to boeing um a lot of that is we know that airlines are suffering all you have to do is look at the tsa screening numbers it's you know it's it, and and of course you can look at the flights too but you really look at the tsa screening numbers when you know how many people are are going through there you know they were down 90 95% at one point um so if Congress would do the right thing, the House in particular, and I'm not a fan of uh, whatever you call it, stimulus or relief, whatever. But um, there are industries, certain businesses and individuals that truly, truly do need help. There's no doubt about it. Now, why they can't do a targeted bill for you know, to help these people. It just, I, I, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the House, Nancy Pelosi wants to do like $2.2 trillion. Uh, you get back down where the Senate uh, majority uh, leader, Mitch McConnell, is more around 500 to $800 billion. And again, target it, not bailout money for poorly run states and cities and Payback and pet projects. Uh, so when people talk about people dying and you know whose fault it is, just look at that. That's all you have to do. You know, don't spin it. It's really simple. It's targeted relief during a pandemic. So um, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. I got off uh, mark a little bit because that does impact Boeing and the airline industry and all the people that work there. So And plus, people want to travel and feel, you know, safe. And if airlines need extra money to, to make that happen, then, um, I mean, they, they definitely should get it. Uh, U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chairman Jay Clayton announced this week that he's going to step down from his position at the end of the year. So originally he was going to uh, work until June, but he's decided now that he's going to step down Um His official departure would position uh, the senior Democrat SEC Commissioner Allison Lee to serve as acting chair. So, um, you know, under Mr. Clayton, the Securities and Exchange Commission has pursued changes to regulations that uh, were burdensome and hindering uh, economic and business growth. So now we have to wait and see how, number one, the election pans out. But if you know, you do the, the Biden Harris thing, um, it's, it's really interesting who they would make chairman because Biden versus President Trump in the, ele- or during the election, Biden received millions and millions and millions of more dollars from Wall Street than President Trump did. So you have to wonder how much influence those folks are going to have on the SEC and other uh, uh, cabinet positions and appointments. But there is going to be potentially a change there for sure, and we just don't know how it's going to all work out. Senate Republicans this week failed to secure enough votes on Tuesday, I think it was, to advance the confirmation of Judy Shelton. I was speaking about this last week. It was one of the things that – the Senate can actually do. There's two vacancies at the Federal Reserve, and they have the opportunity to, um, to get these two through uh, the process, the confirmation process, and in place. Um, Judy Shelton, there's a seat uh, on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. For her, the outcome indicated that Miss Shelton, who you know what? She's been an outspoken critic of the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, and that has hurt her because then she doesn't get uh, a lot of support from some of the swamp rats that are voting. Um, the The vote was expected to be close to opposition from um, all of the Democrats who don't like her. So none of those were going to vote for. Her. And then there's a handful of Republicans that the normal actors, you know, Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, um, you know, coming out saying they weren't going to support uh, Miss Shelton. And then the other unfortunate part was uh, Senator Rick Scott and Senator Chuck Grassley weren't there because they were in quarantine because they both had been exposed uh, or in a situation where they could have been exposed uh, to the virus. So they weren't able to be there. So this isn't over because... Majority Leader McConnell filed a motion that leaves open the possibility of another vote. So we'll wait and see how that all plays out. Earnings this week, it was just a huge week for um, retailers. The biggies came out and showed us uh, their numbers. Walmart, they uh, had great numbers. Their quarterly sales uh, rose Uh, once again. Comparable sales were up. 6.4% in the quarter. It was a third consecutive quarter of strong growth. Um, E-commerce sales jumped 79% and accounted for much of last quarter's gains. So these uh, retailers are really benefiting from utilizing uh, technology. And of course, Walmart has been in this game A long time trying to stay neck and neck with Amazon, which is a feat. But, uh, you know, they bought uh, Jet.com some years ago, and they um, have made other moves. And it really, really seems to be paying off for them. Another big one, uh, Target reported thriving digital sales and same-day services growth. And that was helped by a uh, 46% year-over-year spike in third-quarter profit. Once again, when you look at their digital sales, they were up 155% from a year ago. And the same-day services, which include, um, like, if you drive up and get something, you have an order pickup, or if it's shipped to you, those uh, sales grew 217%. So just some really big moves there. Home Depot Um, Another big box store, of course, came out and reported strong sales uh, uh, as far as growth goes in the the last quarter. The retailer just continues to benefit from people spending more time on home improvement projects. Um, And what was, I thought, good with Home Depot, they announced they would permanently raise compensation for frontline workers. In a program that's going to cost them about $1 billion a year. So, um, you know, this gets into the, the whole argument, uh, who's essential, who's not essential. I mean, why is a big retailer essential when a small retailer isn't? That doesn't make any sense. But anyway, uh, since these people are working, which I would imagine they're very uh, grateful for, they're going to get extra money. So I don't know if we're going to see... Uh, grocery stores following suit you know I'm, I'm I'm really not sure how that'll play out but again home depots really benefited because a lot of people are staying home they're doing projects they're not going on vacations um, i've spoken with many people who have done that you know they've done some type of a, a an upgrade or something new to their home that they uh decided they wanted to spend their money on since they're not doing uh, other things and by the way lowe's um Home Depot's main uh you know competitor said that their sales uh continued to gain and they also were um benefiting from um online sales at lows.com so that was good to see and then you had some other retailers like Kohl's uh not so good uh their numbers were a little lower than what was anticipated but the company said they planned to reinstate the dividend during the first half of 2021 to shareholders. So uh, at the moment, none of the major department store stocks uh, have a dividend yield. So that was really good to hear that things were uh, going pretty well at Kohl's. And then L Brands, which is the parent company of Victoria's Secrets, uh, reported quarterly earnings head and shoulders above what Wall Street uh, was expecting And that was, uh, thanks to a significant improvement for its Victoria's Secret brand. Um, So, you know, the company heads into the Christmas season with well-positioned inventory and encouraged by early responses to their merchandise. I heard some conversations about that. You know, some people are saying that um, ladies, because they're not having to dress as formally for work, are buying more casual um, and comfortable clothes from Victoria's secrets um so that was a, a benefit you know some things are really really bad for certain companies and others all of a sudden you see something like that and it's uh you know it's amazing so um quick break when we come back we'll uh, be jumping into uh some economic data i think you'll find that interesting right around the corner also is our uh going to be our discussion or conversation with an expert on Operation Warp Speed and get down and dirty on all those uh, successes uh, that we've seen so far and what's coming down the the, the train tracks. Um, Also, if you go to murrayfinancialgroup.com on the homepage, uh, the latest complimentary uh, for you is, are you paying too much? in taxes and retirement. You just click that button. It's a complimentary instant download for you. And um, I hope you find it helpful. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD, WFMD.com and go to iTunes and you can get the your financial editor program as a podcast. Um, I mentioned at the top of the program, th- if you're just joining us, thanks to everybody. Uh, last uh, week, actually, it was a um, little more than that. It was November the 11th was our 23 year anniversary, and I forgot all about it. So, uh, thank you so much, whether you've been here from, uh, the beginning, joined since then, or if you're brand new, uh, today. Uh, it's great to have you along. Uh, it's been a ton of fun. Uh, I've been able to talk to so many, um, neat people. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's really been a great, great time. And actually today, you know, I get to talk to an expert on, um, health policy. That is going to break down for us the uh, really the ins and outs of Operation Warp Speed, um, and that Operation Warp Speed is phenomenal. I myself educated uh, myself on that the last you know couple weeks, and it is uh, you know something you hear about and you get the highlights. I will tell you what, you get down in the weeds, it's astonishing. What's being done? I don't care. You know, people get political and spin it and, and you know, point fingers. All you have to do is go to hhs.gov and read it. And you see all the companies, all the cooperation, all the success are tax money. Now, that's why you should really care. I mean, you're talking billions and billions and billions of dollars. But what are you going to do, right? I mean – the virus makes its way here we didn't want anything to do with it we found out about it late but reacted in the best way possible and this is going to go down in history as um one of the biggest achievements for america ever so as you see these regional surveys start to drop uh it's it's worrisome and it just it, it's just starting so not only is it worrisome, but you have to again, ask why. What's the, you know, the real reason that you're seeing this slowing and is it going to continue? And, um, what can be done about it? You know, what's the smart thing? So we'll continue to watch it and, and, uh, keep you in the know. So you're educated on what's going on based on hard data, um, and not treated like a mushroom, uh, by the TV and the internet. So um, again, go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Are you paying too much in taxes in retirement? Is the current complimentary uh, download for you? I hope you find it helpful. On the other side of the break, we'll be talking with Ed, an expert in um, in healthcare, and also, I mean, he started writing about Operation Warp Speed months and months and months ago i think the first one i saw was like in april so he's going to come on and join us and give us the uh, the lowdown on what really is happening with operation warp speed
0: Financial Editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD.
1: Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio, 930 WFMD, WFMD.com, and as a podcast on iTunes. Just search uh, your financial editor, and it'll pull it up for you right there. And, you know, as I mentioned, um, I was really made an error the last couple weeks because I forgot to to tell everybody thank you. We had our 23-year anniversary for the program. So that was uh, November 11th, and we started back in 1997. So it has been so much fun, um, and I appreciate if you've been with us the entire time, I know we've had a lot of folks that have moved out of the region and they listen at WFMD.com or they use the podcast. Um, we get feedback from them. I appreciate that. Or even if you're a brand new uh, to the program today, thanks so much, you know, for taking some time. Uh, we always try to make it worth your while with uh, interesting people, interesting topics, and of course, facts um, as opposed to spinning things around or being selective. So, Um, Thanks so much for that. And um, just as I mentioned, you know, as far as good programming, we've got it for you this morning. You know, we've been uh, hearing a ton of stuff about the virus for the last nine months or so. And um, we've got some big announcements the last couple weeks from Pfizer, BioNTech, and then from Moderna uh, this week. So uh, and more to come, more good stuff to come. So once again, there was some spin, some misinformation. I think about uh, what the administration has uh, done and continues to do to try to um, to make people as safe as possible and and to uh, keep them healthy or get them healthy. So I'm bringing on uh, my guest this morning, Mr. Ed Heiselmeyer, and uh, he's an expert in healthcare policy. And you may have seen him on TV, heard him on the radio read something that he did in a in a publication. But his expertise includes health care tax policy, Medicare, Medicaid, foreign health systems, pharmaceuticals, the price controls associated with health care. And, you know, when all this stuff was breaking, you go back. I remember seeing a piece that uh, Ed did April the 10th of this year um, talking about, what we could expect as far as supplies and drugs and the FDA's uh involvement and others uh to as i mentioned you know make us as safe as possible so ed welcome to the program thanks for having me yeah absolutely and um you know i mentioned you uh, have been covering this for months and months and months it is your area of expertise just if you don't mind share with our listeners what your view is of the uh, current impact of the virus on America?
0: Well, uh, in terms of the impact of the virus, I think we now uh, are in a much better position to understand it than we were at the beginning of the year as scientists and and doctors have gotten a better handle on it. Um, This is a virus that uh, is uh, particularly a risk for people who are older and have uh, weaker immune systems. Uh, this is why children are the least affected because they have strong immune systems. As we get older, our everything de- degrades, and that includes our immune system. Uh, and particularly, of course, people who have other underlying, uh, c- certain other underlying conditions, uh, obesity, diabetes, etc. So we have a better handle on it. Uh, that means that uh, we can adjust public policies uh, to reflect that understanding. So, for example, focusing on vulnerable populations uh, as opposed to, you know, broadly telling everybody to just, you know, stay home uh, is probably the way forward for now. Um, and, and we've basically learned a lot about the
1: disease. Yeah, I I agree and um and a, a lot of it has been very enlightening and it's amazing uh how incorrect uh people can be at various times since this uh we had this outbreak here in America which uh, they were adamant about doing things a certain way or or uh certain precautions or whatever and then you come to find out that it really uh, you know was almost sometimes just the opposite of of uh what folks probably should have been doing. So um, and and we heard from the CDC this week that, you know, that kids should be in school and that there is so much collateral damage from these lockdowns and closures uh, that for some reason a lot of people don't want to talk about. They just want to talk about the virus and not all the other things associated with uh, with the, the like I said, the lockdowns or or the uh, restrictions. Do, do Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, again, I think that the watchword should be, uh, targeted and vigilant. Uh, in other words, we need to be, public uh, health officials need to be vigilant in monitoring it, but, uh, they need to be more targeted, not sort of shotgun approach, but a more focused rifle shot approach, uh, targeted to, uh, where, not only to certain populations, but also geographically. So, for example, uh, one of the things was the fear initially that uh hospitals uh, and the health system might be overwhelmed with cases uh for a number of reasons, uh, with the exception of one or two places like New York City, that didn't play out in this country and and one of the reasons is that our system is more resilient because we have more spare capacity in the system uh it's also more diffused so even New York City, which w- was badly hit. In the spring, at the same time that they were worried about, you know, not being able to handle it in New York City, in upstate New York, when they shut down non-emergency medical care, they wound up having to lay off people in upstate New York in hospitals because they had nothing to do. (laughs) So, you know, that's how localized this is. So that's going forward. uh, Officials have to be uh, focused on that.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, I agree uh, with that. And and uh, I think the case in point, even in New York City, when you had the USS Comfort uh, naval ship there, you had uh, Samaritan's Purse that um, had set up all of the hospital area in Central Park. It was hardly used.
0: Right, and, and you saw that in other countries too. I mean, the same thing happened in Britain where they built out, uh, emergency capacity, a similar sort of thing. Uh, uh they called them Florence Nightingale, you know, hospitals who sort of, you know, set this up some similar to like the USS Comfort. And again, it wasn't used. And, and, it, you know, this is not to fault them. I mean, when you start out and you don't know anything, you have to assume the worst. Sure. And that's fair enough. Uh, but then as you learn, uh, more you can uh, need to adjust to accommodate what you've learned. I mean, the other thing that we've learned is that uh, uh, scientists and doctors have gotten better at uh, preventing somebody uh, who might be at risk and get COVID from progressing to a worse state to either being hospitalized, or if they're hospitalized, needing to be in the ICU or needing to be on a ventilator. So the uh, the 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 mortality from the cases has come down. The hospitalization rates for people with the cases have come down. Now the total numbers have gone up, but that's because the total population getting it has gone up. But in terms of, you know, if you get it, what are your chances or, or what is the probability that you need to be hospitalized or result in some serious uh, adverse consequence of, you know, needing to be in the ICU or even death, that risk has diminished as as physicians and, uh, and scientists have gotten a better handle on how to uh, address the disease, even if they can't block it or cure it yet.
1: Right. Speaking with my uh, guest this morning, Mr. Ed Heiselmeier, he's an expert in health care policy, frequently asked uh, to help lawmakers design and draft reforms to the health system. So he's giving us some insight this morning on the virus. And I'll switch gears and uh, we'll go to uh, Operation Warp Speed. Um, In my opinion, I've been talking about this, uh, especially for the last uh, couple weeks, um, and better educating myself on it, um, this this is remarkable as far as I'm concerned as as to what has been done and uh, what it looks like is coming our way. Oh,
0: yes, it, is, it has been remarkable, but I think it's important to take a step back before we talk about what the, the government with Operation Warp Speed has done. Let's take a step back because I think there's a fascinating story here um that that is not uh, that people are not as aware of as maybe they should be, and that is that we have had over twenty years of steady progress in science in understanding uh genomes and genomics, not only the human genome but genomes of pathogens like you know a disease a virus et cetera and uh one of the things that i I, I think we need to understand for context here is that when this virus hit, it hit at a point in time where a very important scientific work was already well advanced. So let me give you just two examples here. I think will really illustrate this. Um, people are familiar, I think, from the news that the two leading two of the leading virus uh, vaccine candidates, uh, one by Moderna and the other by uh, a German company, a German biotech company called BioNTech, which Pfizer, which partnered with Pfizer. Those two recently reported uh, very successful uh, initial uh, uh, results from phase three clinical trials of their vaccine showing, you know, 95 percent effectiveness. What's behind that that is so interesting is both of those vaccines are based on using something called messenger RNA. And this is the work that's come out of 20 years of studying genomics, is to understand how messenger RNA, mRNA, sends signals to the immune system. What I think is absolutely fascinating and really very promising is both Moderna and that German company, BioNTech, were companies that were set up several years ago explicitly to uh, turn what had been learned about messenger RNA into vaccines, and they were both working on cancer vaccines. Think about that, a vaccine that can target and, and address cancer. Now, if you go to their websites, you and you look up their product pipeline, you can see that they have vaccines that they already before this happened were working on and are still developing for cancer. What those companies were able to do is when this came along, they said, Hey, our technology, our research could benefit in this area by going after the COVID vaccine. And so they pivoted to. Developing vaccines for COVID. So I think it's very important to understand, first off, that this is well grounded in long, uh, developing, uh, cutting edge science that, uh, there, that, that has all sorts of implications. Indeed, implications like for cancer that they were already working on and, and well advanced in working on. I mean, they have, uh, drug you know vaccines for cancer that they're that they're testing and trying right now when this came along so that is extremely promising but it also explains partly why uh the biomedical research companies were able to so quickly pivot all the stuff about how it takes years and years to develop a vaccine that's no longer true because they have a totally different paradigm and uh, and so, what's interesting about that paradigm when you dig deeper is that these mRNA vaccines uh, have a better safety profile. So, you know, your expectation of what the vaccine is going to be like and whether people might have uh, bad experience with it is much different. The other thing that's very interesting about this is that relative to the old way of, of de- developing and producing vaccines these are much easier to mass produce it's basically uh, instead of having to grow it and culture it and and, and things like that you're able to really just replicate it it's kind of like a a machine shop where you 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 make the die and then you use the die to stamp out the product so uh, the first point i think it's uh, for people to understand is that this technology uh, was sort of there at the right place at the right time and and that has made a tremendous difference in the speed with which companies not only in the US but in other countries were able to respond yeah uh, the, the next point then to get to Operation Warp Speed is what did the government do well they leveraged that and there were a couple of things that I in particular think were, were helpful One was to uh, shift the regulatory process to an even more collaborative stance. The FDA has always been fairly collaborative. In other words, uh, if you want to do trials to test a vaccine, you know, rather than come up with something and hope it flies with FDA, you go to FDA first and say, look, let's let's sit down and and map out what it is that we need to show you and how we're going to go about doing it so that we're all on the same page before we even start. Well, that's a a fairly common practice, but they really – uh, FDA really leaned forward, reached out to the companies to help them do that. So that saves a lot of time if, if you're not kind of guessing, am I doing the right thing for the regulators? But you're actually designing the trials and, and the, and the data that they need from the start to be compatible. The other thing was that they parallel processed a lot. Uh, in other words, let's not wait for one thing to be completed before we move to the next. Let's start working on the next one while we're still trying to do the first. Now, that has higher costs, but that was where the government, I think, made a good move and stepped in and I wrote about this, which is they said, fine, if this looks promising, we will pre-order it. In other words, we won't wait for you to get approval. We will put in an order first and we, the government, will, the taxpayer, will take some of the financial risk that maybe it doesn't pan out.
1: Yeah, and the, okay, there, that gets us rather, back we would to rather like
0: rather have five or ten than one or two and waste a bit on a few that don't pan out. Yeah, and that uh, gets back to uh, odds of something working.
1: To Pfizer with the $1.95 billion, as you said, in taxpayer money as a pre-order for, I think it was, and you would know, probably like 100 million doses. Yeah, no, that that actually, when you do the math, it works out to about $19 a dose. Yeah, and then the other thing... Uh, I mean,
0: $1.9 billion sounds like a lot, but it was 100 million doses, and then it's got an option to buy more. So you see, a Pfizer and, and BioNTech, they know that, hey... I've got that order now. It's like any other business. If you've got a big order, even if you haven't gotten paid yet, you can now say, "Right, I'm going to expand the plant. I'm going to buy a new plant, whatever." Yeah, and, that order.
1: And on top of that, you know, we had uh, BioNTech get 443 million dollars from the German government, which is good because that's where they're based. So that, on top of uh, the the Pfizer side, it was just a tremendous uh, partnership. With it seems like tremendous results that are going to keep a lot of people healthy and and that's exactly what we were we were shooting for. So I'm going to squeeze a quick break in here and then um, on the other side we'll finish up the conversation, dive a little bit deeper in Operation Warp Speed. Who will, who other than the the few companies we've talked about, who else is involved? That type of thing. And um, Ed Heiselmeyer uh, will be with us for that to continue to to enlighten us. Um, I mean, that stuff about the cancer vaccines. Look, folks, if that didn't make your day, I don't know what would. I mean, just the advancements we've made are phenomenal. Stay tuned. I ain't rich, but I damn sure wanna be. Working like a dog all day ain't I had a rich uncle that would kicked the bucket And I was sitting on a pile like a warren Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD, WFMD WFMD.com, and as a podcast from iTunes. And um, we're uh, wrapping up our conversation with my guest this morning, Mr. Ed Heiselmeier. He's an expert in health care policy and frequently is asked to help lawmakers design and draft reforms to the health system. And uh, he's been writing about the virus and is uh, well-versed on pretty much every part of it, has given us a lot of insight and and, uh, encouraging information so far uh, today, and I appreciate that. So, um, Ed, who else besides, we talked about Pfizer and BioNTech and uh, Moderna, you know, but who else, uh, some of the other big names involved in this Operation Warp Speed?
0: Oh, well, uh, some of the the other drug uh, uh, vaccine candidates in the development uh, are uh, from uh, Oxford University, which, uh, partnered with AstraZeneca, which is a big, uh, uh, drug company like, uh, it's a, it's a British, Swedish drug company like Pfizer, one of the big ones. Uh, Sanafi, which is the world, it's a French company, a big company, it's one of the world's leading vaccine makers um you know merck i mean th- th- these companies are all working on this uh so you know there's there's about five or seven uh candidates in in phase two or phase three trials right now, and uh not all of them uh are using the same technology, and that's good because that gives you more shots on goal as they say um but uh, uh some of them are using variants of uh this kind of genomic driven uh technology. So uh, it remains to be seen how, how that will play out. Uh, again, we we're, we're, there's a possibility I was just reading that we might see within a month uh, some of the data out of the Phase three trials for the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine. That's another one that's been you know fairly uh, well along in development.
1: Yeah, and and like and, you said and, that- and not
0: only was our government uh, pre-ordering but other governments are doing the same sort of thing which is you know exactly what you need um, you don't want to reinvent the wheel these companies uh, know how to build out manufacturing and things I see that's another example of parallel processing you know if, if you're building out the manufacturing before you know whether it's going to succeed well part of that is the regulators have to review your they have to visit and review and approve your manufacturing facility. So, again, the, the FDA and the companies are working in parallel to while they're still developing and testing the drug to make sure that uh, the manufacturing is set up so that, you know, as soon as it gets approval, they can just flip the switch and start producing. Yeah. And, 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 and you've seen that not only with the FDA, but you've seen that with the equivalents, for example, the European Medicine Agency uh, as well
1: and the uh the, you know the other parts of operation warp speed are the the companies that are building the refrigeration like uh uh what is it fisher um,
0: yeah well there the, yeah there there are other uh, parts to it yes uh Corning with the, you know producing the glass vials that yeah. you need and and there's storage issues yeah operation warp speed is also and this is where we're shifting now is we're shifting to the next phase which is the distribution and that, and that's the one where I'm a little concerned that we might not be focused enough on what states and localities need to do. It's important to understand that those are the frontline troops on the ground. This stuff, you know, no administration at the federal level can, uh, uh, do this because this is all very local. In other words, are you going to send out mobile vaccination bans to, you know, at-risk populations or rural populations? Are you going to have pharmacists uh, uh, vaccinating people? Um, Those are things that states and local governments have to do and have to decide. Federal government can give them some money, and, and there's been some calls to do that, but we're now to a stage where this is going to, the rollout is going to be very much affected by what states are doing. One of the issues, and, and, and for all the good news, there is some uncertainty on the vaccine, and, the va- and because they are new, and the uncertainty though is one I think we can live with. The uncertainty is we don't know how long the positive effect will last. In other words, if you get the vaccination, uh, you know, and the other thing is we know that most of these vaccines are going to require a booster shot, that they're a two-dose vaccine, you get a shot, and then a month later you come back and get another shot. So that involves two things. One, we don't know and we won't know, uh, time will only tell, how long the positive immunity effect lasts. Uh, I've seen scientific analysis that indicate it could be, Long duration, but that's still an uncertainty. Uh, the other thing that's important for state and local governments is, and health providers is to register, is to have registries of everybody that's gotten the vaccine, and and call them back, and get them to get the second shot. Um, and some states are better prepared than others to do that with their existing infrastructure. And so that's an area that still needs work.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um our guest this morning, Mr. Ed Heiselmeyer, uh an expert in healthcare policy, helps to write uh or design and draft reforms to the healthcare system. Um you've can you have know, probably seen him on TV, heard him on the radio, uh seen some of his writings. Actually ed if someone wanted to read uh your uh what you've penned, uh what's the easiest way for them to do that?
0: Most of what I publish is, even if it's on an outside, is is posted on uh, the Heritage Foundation website, my, uh, my uh, uh, think tank, the Heritage Foundation where I work. Uh, you can go there, heritage.org. Uh, you can look me up. Uh, under, you know, the list of experts or you can look it up by issues and see what I and my colleagues because I, I, I'm by no means the only one doing this. So sure. if you were to look up healthcare reform or public health is the key, you know, there's a menu of healthcare and then underneath it, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, public health. Uh you can see what my colleagues for example, my colleagues have done some great work on things like the The response in telemedicine to the pandemic, which is another very positive thing that's come out of this uh some work on testing, which has been problematic and how to deal with that and fix that uh, so there's a whole bunch of stuff so you can go to heritage dot uh, org and and look at our healthcare publications and it's not just our papers it's they usually post things, like if we write an op-ed somewhere, it usually gets posted on there as
1: well. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time, uh, taking time to uh, to be with us. I know you have a busy schedule. It was a ton of information condensed in a fairly short period of time, but I really think it gave all of our listeners uh, you know, a lot to uh, think about, and I'm sure they learned a lot. So uh, enjoy your weekend, and, again, thank you so much, Ed.
0: Okay. well, thank
1: you. Absolutely. Uh, That does it for us. Uh, Unfortunately, out of time. Uh, I hope you found it as interesting and enlightening and like I used the word earlier, exciting about the the cancer and other diseases uh, and illnesses, the vaccines. And uh, we've been talking about that for a long time. What used to be a death sentence is uh, now maybe a manageable uh, type of illness or disease. So uh, you can uh, check L uh, excuse me, Ed. Myers information out. Um, the other thing I just want to say, if you really want to know what Operation Warp Speed is about, go to hhs.gov and read. And you know what? Learn how your money's been spent because it's been a lot of it that's uh, that's gone out the door, which is great because it's proving to be uh, very, very beneficial. Ed talked about corning, for example, right, and they're making the vials. We as taxpayers gave them $204 million on June 11th to make sure that that was going to happen. That's how far ahead this Operation Warp Speed was. So now the vials are ready, and they can do, uh, like, I think it's 164 million of those Valor Glass vials per year if needed. This is incredible. So uh, check it out, hhs.gov, and uh, get your learn on impress some people at your, uh, party or your virtual meeting or whatever it is that you're doing. And, um, that does it for us. Oh, you can go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. The latest complimentary download. Are you paying too much in taxes in retirement? And, uh, also I'll talk with you next week on the morning news express with, uh, Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick. And, um, I hope you have a very blessed Thanksgiving, uh, you know, I really mean that uh, to all the listeners and your families. And um, I'll talk with you soon. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success.
0: What if the armies of the Lord picked up and dusted off their swords, vowed to set the captive free and not let Satan have one more? What if the church If his people prayed. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. 7 o'clock.